Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of youth and families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. And, and now, Gage, as you are saying that, you actually are in Dyersburg, Tennessee. As we, I guess people people probably don't know this. We actually are not in the same room with each other. I think people assume that we are at the world headquarters of the Assurance of Pardon podcast, that it's this huge corporate complex filled with ringing phones and interns coming back and forth, and it looks (laughs) maybe like uh, the headquarters of Apple or Google or the Illuminati. It's a little more like Hell Hydra, but that's that's neither here nor there. (laughs) No, I'm in my office in Hot Springs. And you are in Dyersburg, Tennessee, where you and your lovely wife and family just got moved. Yes, we are westbound and down. Uh, we'll smoke in the bandit reference for you. Um, and we have officially, as of last night, rolled in all of our belongings uh, that we own in the world, uh, minus the storage unit, are, are officially in Dyersburg, Tennessee. And so we got in last night, and um, I am actually in the youth room at uh, FPC. And we're recording today. So um, if uh, sound quality is a little different, um, we had to kind of do a little bit of a makeshift setup as everything is in boxes. So uh, hopefully um, sound quality will still be good for everybody. But we are here. We're excited. Uh, we are live in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Man, that's exciting. Well, we are <clears throat> we are uh, glad you guys made it safely. And we are in our season of Hermeneutics 101, and we got an, a really, really great response from folks on our last episode, which was about Philippians uh, chapter 4, about doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what I, I, uh, apparently that's a verse a lot of people are ready to hear about, ready to talk about, interact with, because they see that. They see that verse employed in all sorts of ways in sports and in on Pinterest and in lots of different ways. And today we're going to look at what very well may be the Old Testament equivalent of that at a national level. Um, this is a verse that um, one religion scholar called the John 316 of American civil religion. So here we are as we are recording this today. It's September 25th. Uh, so, and we are in the heat of election season. And so yes. already there's a lot of talk about uh, voting biblically, about uh, returning America to God. And this is a verse that gets quoted all the time. Gage, tell everybody what the verse is. We're going to be looking today at 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. And you're right, it, it either gets used... Um, in terms of um, returning America to something, or it gets used as the banner verse for revivals and revivalism. 
mm-hmm. uh, that this is often the the verse that that people will use. Maybe you, you grew up in that context where your church every year had a revival, um, or um, you even as you became reformed, maybe you came through more of a Puritan uh, side where um, there was a lot of talk about how great the great awakenings were and how, you know, what we could do to return to those again. And, and the, these verses often get uh, referenced. Scott, you want to read it for us? Sure. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. And I'm going to read it um, a, as it, as it is, as it is quoted to, so that everybody knows. So this, I'll read it from the English standard version, which says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And if if our if our listeners, um, well, unless our listeners have been living under a rock, um, are, they've probably seen this verse. And it's hard, you know, lots of verses get sort of, uh, memeified, you know, like taken in, taken, snipped yes. out, copied and pasted, and it's really hard to find a version of this one that does not have an American flag in the background. Uh, yes. And some of them get pretty. Uh, I, before we started recording today, you and I were were trading back and forth Second Chronicles seven fourteen memes with the Statue of Liberty, with the flag, with. Um, a, a bald eagle, a bald eagle, uh, squawking, uh, as as though in battle. Um, the Amer- the American flag uh, in color pencil over the verse in your Bible. I think that's the one that I've been seeing the most lately. Mm-hmm. Is the American flag colored pencil uh, in the Bible? Um, it's just cr- is just cringy. We're gonna our, we're gonna uh, put the picture. Our, uh, we're gonna put a link to the picture in the show notes. Even we absolutely will. All of our distilling theology brothers in the in the Facebook group. Um, well, after this episode, I fully expect you guys to bombard us with all your favorite American Second Chronicles seven fourteen memes. So, what I'm hoping that we can deal with a little bit today, um, obviously, we're 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 unpacking um, what hermeneutics is and trying to highlight some sort of hermeneutical tool um, in our hermeneutical toolbox to understand scriptures rightly and to recognize when scriptures are being wielded in a way that is not in keeping with what God intended for this verse. We believe all Scripture is inerrant and infallible and is good for correction and teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that we may be well equipped. So as we come along with these verses and we hold up a verse and we talk about, like we did last week with Philippians chapter 4, I want to be really clear, we're not poking fun at these Bible verses. This is God's holy word. We are hoping Agreed. we are hoping to show people that they're using these verses in at best a silly way and at worst a heretical way. And so they're not actually engaging the text as they should. And uh, I read an article by uh, Russell Moore, which we're also going to share in the show notes, that he made a point that I think should get the attention of our of our listeners. He says, when you're doing this, you're actually engaging in theological liberalism. You're actually making the text say whatever you want it to say. And you're mm-hmm. you're picking and choosing and you're treating the Bible like something of a fortune cookie that I can crack open and see in it 
whatever I want to see and read it. We talked about looking at clouds in the sky and everybody has their own interpretation. So what is the um, problematic interpretation with Second so, Chronicles 7? <laughs> so I, I think we got to take, take this in, in two parts, right? There's um, how, how this is typically used, and then I think there's an important discussion to be had um, around what revival is and what revival isn't um, and what's typically intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we would, we should hope for in, in, in those terms and in, in that, that line of thought. So first, just dealing with the verse, um, the typical, um, especially in the South, especially Southern evangelicalism, right? American, uh, Christianity, the way this verse is typically used is, um, with America specifically in mind. This is a Amer- America only verse. Um, and, um, it's this verse of like, if we'll just do this thing, if we'll just like Philippians 413, if we'll just read this incantation, if we'll, we'll hold up our bargain. Yes. If we'll believe, um, that to use our, our charismatic brothers phrases, if we'll believe God for this verse, right. Yeah. Um, then, um, then things will just magically get better. Like. All, all the, um, all the rioting will go away. All the injustice will go away. People will return to, um, church. Um, people who have rejected the faith will all of a sudden, um, embrace the faith because we've done the right things. Now, the, the right things that in this verse, in and of itself, again, it's the word of God. So when you think about God having a people who are called by his name, who humble themselves, pray, seek his face, and, and turn from their wicked way. So repent. Right. All of, the, all of those things in and of themselves are great. But that's not how this is typically interpreted. Well, right, yeah. C- c- if I can cut in there. I think yeah, go ahead. People, what people do is they read it and they say, if my people, okay, well, that's America, clearly, right? <laughs> who are called right. according to my name, and that, you know, do these things, uh, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And again, right. they go, America. So if Americans will do these things, I will heal America. I will heal the land. And so is is that in any way, shape, or form the way the original audience would have understood that? Would would the recipients of Second Chronicles seven fourteen, the original hearers of what's being said here, would they have cracked? Would they have read, cracked open their Bible? Would they cracked open the scroll, seen that, and said, "Well, I guess I'll have to wait for the founding of America to happen before this has any um, meaning for any, any meaning. This is not for us." Yeah, not at all. Right, so, of course not. So, so the first first rule of hermeneutics, right? Author intent, context. Um, we know that the um, writer of Chronicles, uh, of Second Chronicles, giving the, the history of the people of God, um, isn't thinking about America because America literally didn't exist. So, if America didn't exist in concept or form when this verse was penned 
then this verse isn't about America, right? That's the logical conclusion. Right. If it didn't exist, it's not about America. Um, also, spoiler alert, 66 books, two testaments. There's no verse about America. What? There what? Zero, but, but, but zero Ronald verses. Reagan talked about America being the shining city on a hill. Is I mean, that, that was probably an opportunistic speechwriter at best. <laughs> use it, using, um, other, doing what good writers do and using other writers to, to amplify his, his language. So, but, so soaring rhetoric. Yes. I mean, I've listened. I've watched enough West Wing. I know how Toby Ziegler, um, works, but, and Sam Seaborn and others, but that's not what this verse is talking about at all, right? So, so the first thing we need, need to do is deal with the context, deal with the author's intent and understand who the audience is. We've done that every week. Yeah. We're going to do that again here. So we know the, it's the writer writing the chronicles. It's a, a history section of, of the scriptures about the people of God. Um, and then here's the thing. If we're in verse 14, the good news is we don't even, we can go up to verse 11. I, I would venture and encourage you to go all the way to the beginning of the chapter and we can, but um, verse 11, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the King's house and all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night, and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Verse 13, when I shut up heaven so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people. Verse 14. Among my, my people. Among my people. Yeah, yeah. My people. So let's pause there before we get to verse 14. Solomon is building the temple, right? That's the Correct. context of what's happening here. Um, David had a vision for the temple. God didn't didn't want him to build the temple because he was a man of war, and he said, "Your son's going to build the temple." David David has a son named Solomon. Solomon becomes king. He builds this temple, and if you go back to the beginning of chapter seven, we see verse one. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, so he, he the prayers in verse forty one and forty two of chapter six. Right. Uh, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. So they're, they're getting ready to, to finish the temple. They're going to dedicate the temple. Solomon prays. There's obviously the, the sacrifice, uh, has been, sacrifices have been prepared by the priest and fire from heaven comes down and consumes the burnt offerings, similar to what happens with Elijah, right? And the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw that fire came down and the glory of the Lord of the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So his people are the people in context that are with Solomon. So it's the people of Israel, right. God's people, who are called by his name. Uh, the, the church in the Old Testament, if you will, for, for our, our reformed, uh, friends. Um, and then it leads into the dedication of the temple. And so that there's a whole section from, uh, verse four to verse 10 dealing with the dedication of the temple. 
And then there's the Lord speaking to Solomon, who um, in context there, I think it's helpful to add this note. Um, the king um, of Israel was always given to be the spiritual leader of the people, not in, this, not in a replacement of the priest, but he was supposed to guide them and direct them, which is why the Lord always dealt with the evil kings as he would, they would take them in, in different directions. So the Lord's dealing with Solomon regarding the building of this temple, and he's saying the same things he says in Deuteronomy with the blessings and the curses. Hey, if, if I'm doing these things, if I'm causing a drought, if I'm sending locusts to your land, if you'll repent, I'll heal your land. That and that's and that's it. Like, yeah. If you sin, which you will, these curses are happening. It's the same curses at the end of Deuteronomy: locusts, pestilence, famine, drought. Right? The Lord's saying the same things here. Hey, I'm I'm going to discipline you for your idolatry, and if you'll turn and repent and move away from idolatry, I'll heal your land. That's what the verse is about. And we get, we got there simply by reading the verses around us, asking what the author's intent was, seeing who the audience was, seeing, seeing the context of the conversation around us. But wait, Gage, you know all that because you took Greek, right? I mean, you... <laughs> isn't, did, well, surely there was surely some of the Greek that you took in seminary is how you got there, right? Well, Scott, at the risk risk of well actualing you, this is the Old Testament, so there is no Greek. It's actually in in Hebrew. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but I'm going to edit that part out. But Gage, you got there because you know Hebrew, right? Right, you you took through. No, I'm reading. Seminary. I'm reading the English. I, I haven't even what? cracked open my Wagots Bible software. Um, shout out! We'd love for you to be a sponsor. By the way, um, we, we do. Yes. And and um, I haven't we have cracked given, we have open given, it. Logos, we have given you a lot of our money, and we're ready for. We you really to have. Some, we're ready for you to give us some of your money. Yeah. Um, yes, please. Shameless plug. Um, so fair play. Exactly. Um, I just want my money back. Um, so. I haven't cracked over my Logos Bible software. I ha- I don't even have my Hebrew Old Testament is in a box in <laughs> at my house, seven minutes away. I'm literally reading the English and arriving at, at the logical conclusion. Anyone can do this. This isn't hard. Yeah, I think what what's so funny here is we've actually we've we've unpacked a few verses already in this season. And we haven't even really needed to do anything difficult. We've just we've just zoomed out a bit, a, a few verses, and asked some really simple diagnostic questions here. Who is the audience that that is being addressed here? Who is God talking to, and what what's going on here? Um, because if I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth, as as Paul tells us to, if I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth, I, I need to take it seriously, and I need to ask good questions when I come to a text, lest I, lest I mishandle it. And 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 again, to, as Jared asked us last week, why does this matter? 
because we we don't want to believe wrong things about God, right? right. We we don't want to we don't want to um, treat the Bible like it is a fortune cookie, um, and and mishandle it, and and that's what happens here. This is a verse. This verse is not about. This verse is not about a promise from God that if we will elect the right people, mm-hmm. that if if we will. Um, if we will do the right sorts of things that he's going to return us to life the way it was in the 1950s. Right. If we return us to the right president, if we put the right justices on the court, if we pass the right legislation, if we check those boxes, right, then we're going to get back to 1776 or the roaring twenties or the 1950s or whatever we think the good old days were the good old days a dear listener, whereas Genesis one and Genesis two, that Amen. that's the good old days. That's, that's when the world was perfect. And right. that's the, that's the restoration that we're looking to. That's the healing that we long for. That's the new heavens and the new earth that we will, we will one day receive. We will one day be back to because, because, Jesus was humble because Jesus sought the face of the Lord because Jesus is the only one who perfectly humbled him humbled himself and 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 because of Christ God is going to heal all of our land because yes. who, who and by the way again we're not as we did with as we did with Jeremiah 29 now we can say that God's people called according to his name are those who are in Christ Right. Amen. So, Amen. This yeah. is not about America. In one sense, it is about the church. I mean, it, it, it. He's talking to Israel then about very specific things. But our hope now is that one in Christ we have been grafted in to to uh, the the family of Abraham. And right. Christ, Christ did twenty four seven seek the face of God. Christ was, as Philippians says, humble to the point of death on a cross. And, and because of Christ, our land, that is, the, 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 this entire world, is going to be restored uh, because, of, because of Christ. Yes, it, you know, it, it begins and ends with a garden, right? Like That's what this, the story is all about. It, and it finds its yes and amen in Jesus, that the promise to have your sins forgiven comes through the finished work of Jesus. Like our sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Romans talks about this, that, that Jesus, uh, that the Lord is both, uh, God is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the, the benefit there. That's that Christ, Christ, Christocentric, Christ-centered, um, hermeneutic that we talked about in the Jeremiah 29 11 episode that we can now see that Christ is the one that, that properly fulfilled this passage. But we can also, uh, to the New Testament writers, here's another, another hermeneutic rule. The best commentary on the Old Testament is the New Testament, right? To quote Chad Bird, we can see here, you, you made reference to um, Romans um, 11 and our engrafting um, into the body. We can also look at Ephesians chapter 2 that in Christ, the wall of hostility between Gentiles and Jews has been torn down, and a new, new humanity is being created in Christ. And we are a new a house. We are actually—you can even look at this. This is the temple. The temple points to a, 
a greater reality that we are the house um, of God being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, right? So it's important to read not only in the context, but then also realize anytime that there are um, imperatives, if my people will do this and my people will do this and my people will do this, you got to be honest with yourself and go, yeah, we don't do any of that, but Jesus does. Yeah. He's, he's the better Adam. He's the better brother. He's our king. Thank, thank goodness that we can know that this promise is true for us because Jesus fulfilled the law's demands. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Paul makes the case in, in Galatians chapter three that the, it now spiritually, the, the, the real sons of Abraham are, are those who are in Christ. And if, if you're not, if you are a Jew ethnically, but you do not trust in Christ, you do not recognize God's promised Messiah as being Christ, then as far as, uh, according to Paul, you are spiritually a son of Hagar, not a son of Sarah. Right. Right. It, what, what, a, what a gauntlet to throw down for Paul to say, yeah, those, those who are in Abraham, the, the, the ones who are truly children of the promise, heirs of Abraham are all who are in Christ. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's, that's what Romans four is about, right? That, that Abraham was the, the father of faith and those that have faith like Abraham are those that are in Christ. I mean, it goes on, on and on. Um, as, as we get ready to, to wind this to a close, Scott, I mentioned this at the beginning that there's two ways of looking at this. The second thing, I just want to spend just a brief moment because I, I, we could do a whole episode on this. Um, oftentimes in, in, in evangelicalism, this verse is used um, for revival. It's a contingency clause for uh, revival to happen um, in America. And, and there's a couple of ways in which this is kind of uh, laid out. Uh, one, it's hearkening back to the first and second and arguably third great awakenings, right? Um, that if we would just follow this verse, that the good old days like the first, second, and third great awakening would happen um, in in our churches and in, in our, our people and in, in America. Um or uh, are more fire and brimstone, fundamentalist, charismatic, oftentimes, or uh, independent fundamentalist Baptist um, backgrounds uh, will read this verse and they have a tent revival every year, or they have uh, our missionary Baptist or Southern Baptist will have revivals every year. Um, and this will be often the theme verse. This is the, the thing that we're chasing. Talk about this a little bit about um, what's problematic about that, and then what maybe what is revival a thing we should hope for? Is it is it is it well, healthy? It's, not, it's definitely not schedulable, right? The the, right. the, the wind blows where it will, uh, and we don't we can't uh, get the calendar out and put on the calendar. Revival is going to happen on October the fifth through October the ninth. We can't. We can't um, put the Holy Spirit on notice that right. it's going to happen there. So, um, so yeah, no, that's uh, revival is a is a, a revival is a is a real thing. A moving of the Spirit 
in in drawing in drawing people to himself. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's I think it's important, especially when when reading this verse, because not only understanding it in this context gives you better clarity for what the verse and the surrounding verses are about, and 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 we're interpreting the word of God correctly, and we're we're saying about God, um, what God is saying about Himself and what, he, what He's saying to His people, and we're not not saying things about God or about what He has said to us. Um, that aren't true, but I think it's also important in our context and and for those listeners that maybe um, come from context outside of Reformed theology um, that revival is a good thing. I would love for the Holy Holy Spirit to um, change as many hearts um, as possible. That is the evangelistic hope, right? Um, but like you said, it's not manufactured. And this goes all the way back to, um, as Presbyterians, for a little insider baseball, this goes back to our issue with Finney, right? That you can't manipulate people, that you can't go, well, revival is going to happen here. Um, and as long as I guilt trip you enough with, enough with this verse and others um, into scaring you in, into heaven, that th- this will actually work. And, or if you pray this prayer or others, that some sort of incantation, then all of a sudden you're saved. Uh, and we could again, we could do a whole vert, a whole episode on on this topic, and, and may at a, at a later date. But I wanted to just spend just briefly a few moments dealing with that because oftentimes that's a second way that this verse is used. Yeah, yeah, it, it gets used as a as a uh, a rabbit's foot of some sort that we can we can rub and do the right things um, because it's removed from its context, because it's talking about, uh, uh, because we've, once we, once we take the verse and remove it from its surrounding context, we can make it say whatever we want to say and we can turn it into that. And it, it, such a dangerous, dangerous thing. And this is why um, in, in our tradition, we're not going to do a lot of, you're not going to hear a lot of sermons around one verse of the Bible. Um, at our church, at Hope Church Hot Springs, I preach through entire books of the Bible. We start in chapter 1, verse 1, and move through the entire thing because God's people need to understand God's Word in context and and not in these sort of snippet sort of ways because the more you uh, exacto knife the verse out of its context, the more you can be guilty uh, of leading people astray and making a verse say what God did not intend for it to say. Agreed. Agreed. Um, as we close, uh, another great additional resource we wanted to uh, give you guys. We mentioned the Russell Moore article that'll be in the show notes uh, for funsies. We'll include some memes for you to enjoy. Um, but I did want to put this on your radar. As we've mentioned before, we are a part of uh, the Society of Reformed Podcast. Uh, you can check out all those shows at reformed podcasts with an s uh, dot com uh, and one great podcast that also deals with this verse uh, the guys over at uh, Christ in Context um, actually dealt with this in episode twelve of their podcast um, titled Heal Our Land question mark Second Chronicles seven thirteen through fourteen it featured uh, Luke there um, from SETI Anchor podcast. Uh, and they had a great discussion on this verse. So I would commend uh, that episode to you guys as well for additional study um, on this passage. Um, and really uh, any um, 
episode that those guys at the Society of Reform podcast uh, produce is phenomenal. So please check check them out uh, and give them patronage. Um, as always, if you have any questions, you want to dialogue about this, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can hit us up on our email at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. Um, you can also message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We always love to hear um, how this is resonating with you, uh, any questions or concerns that you have. We want this to be as, as accessible as possible um, for our people. If you're new to Reformed Theology, we, we hope this has been um, helpful to you as you go back and listen to previous episodes and, and understand um, what we believe and why we believe it. Um, or if you're an RUF guy, if you would love for you to hand out uh, these um, episodes to your students uh, to help them under, understand their theology. But it, as always, you can always ask questions, um, send us comments, push back if you disagree. We'd love to hear from you there. Um, and as always, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.